I'm Michael Laurie, and you're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundup. Hello and welcome to the Ulster Rugby Roundup Summer Club. The season might be a distant memory, but there's still plenty of Ulster news to discuss today. We'll take a look at the Champions Cup draw, the new Pro 14 conferences, the Academy intake, and plenty more than that as well. With me, John. Uh, with me, John. <laughs> Not you. What a way to start the podcast. You've wanted to be me for so long that you've just taken no, it's my just come actual out. name. With me, Gareth Hanna. Is Jonathan Bradley. Hello. Hi, Ari. And is also Adam McKenna. Hey, guys. Let's begin with the Heineken Champions Cup draw. Are we just what are we going to call it this season? This so last year, I stuck to the party line and went mm. for the Heineken Champions Cup. But whenever I was doing the piece for the paper this week, I was like, Do you know what, stuff it. I'm going back to the Heineken Cup. <gasps> I like that. You see, I like that. I mean, everyone still refers to it as the Heineken Cup. I think so. But we just do. I'm prepared to do. It. I'm prepared. Yeah, to do it I like. I, I'm on board. But then sponsors will be happy. Yeah. So and we should keep really them happy because they sent me a case of beer. Well, the, the off season last year, which has been and going down as I it's been felt sitting there, <laughs> been drinking away while you're in the office. It's been sitting here for so long though. Like I borrow Johnny's desk whenever I'm in the office, and I keep kicking it by accident. So I don't drive in to work because there's no car park so I get the bus in so I walk back from work so you know I don't want to be like walking up you know this two and a half miles to my house with a case of beer so every so often if I've got my bag in I'll just take a couple bottles put them in the fridge and just imagine Johnny walking down the street create a beer under his arm just taking one out every so often cracking it open I get get to the Omo Bridge and I've just become An anti-social behaviour order <laughs> waiting to happen. That's what rugby journalism does to you. Pretty much, yeah. In case the boss is listening, we, we do actually have a car park. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love the way that's the problem you have with all of that. Sorry, we have a car park, <laughs> but not everybody employed by us is important enough to have a parking space instead of car park. So. I have to park away down the street and walk in. It's terrible. I have a space. Let's begin <laughs> with the Heineken Cup. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. We're calling it the Heineken Cup. I like that. Anyway, Heineken Cup draw has pitted Ulster against Claremont, Harlequins and Bath. It was all a bit complicated at the draw, but basically could have been a lot worse. And Ulster should be pretty happy with that. Yeah, so the first, I suppose wrinkle was the fact that you could have been a second or a third seed so because Glasgow fell into the second seeds mm-hmm. Ulster became the second seed because they're in the same league so that was the first boost I suppose at that point there was still a possibility of getting Saracens and Racing and somebody else so then you avoid that nightmare mm-hmm. scenario that actually ended up befalling Munster so I think beyond that you know, the pools are all much of a muchness, but this is one that I think Ulster can definitely get out of. Admittedly, it's not particularly exciting because they've played two of the three teams mm-hmm. within the last three years. At this point, we should apologise to our Munster colleagues, first of all, in getting by far the hardest pool. It's absolutely horrendous. And second of all, getting probably the worst away trips out of all the pools. Like, Yeah. Um, I hadn't you, thought about that. Yeah, you've got to <laughs> But those are well. absolute stinkers of away trips. <laughs> like, they're going to the rugby equivalent of a cinema. They're going to yeah. wherever the heck Saracens play. It's Barnet. I've been there. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not, not fun. Good. Um, and Swansea. Swansea, yeah. Whenever That's we were in... That's all you need to say. 
me and my friend went to Saracens and I think we literally walked for 45 minutes to try and find a pub outside of the ground. We were practically back at my hotel. It's it's not great. Shocking. Compare that to Ulster ships, which are fantastic. Have you ever been to Claremont? We were both, both in Claremont, Claremont yeah. the last time. We got lost in Claremont thanks to my wonderful sense of direction, which is okay. not great at all. Um, but no, Claremont is obviously one of those ones that every rugby fan wants to go to because you've heard of the famed Stade Marcel Michelin atmosphere and you know whenever Ulster were drawn against them it was one that I I do like traveling to new places and I would have liked to experience a new place but in terms of going back to somewhere I've been before Claremont is right at the top of the list because I absolutely love it and I thought the town was a a great place as well Um, and then you throw in Harlequins which is obviously so easy to get to in London and Bath, which is a, a great city by all accounts. I've only been there once and I was I was a kid, so I don't remember it much. But in terms of the in terms of the rugby as well, you know, Ulster should be thanking their lucky stars that they are in this pool instead of Monsters because, you know, Monster are looking at that thinking, goodness, how, how do we get into the last eight? And Ulster are probably looking at it thinking, you know, if we, you know, stay maintain strike at home by winning our three home games, one of those two English games should get them an away win. Mm. And from there, it's about can we pick up enough points from the other two games to get us into the last eight, which, looking at it, you would expect them to, which is crazy given 12 months ago we were saying, can they just maintain a bit of respect from what was a really tough pull? And now we're going into it thinking, well, I'll still have a great chance of making it to -to back-to-back quarterfinals. So in terms of the draw... I think Ulster will be coming away very happy with what they've been given. Mm-hmm. Where would you imagine that away, if you had to say now, where would you imagine that away wins come up? I think, to be honest, I think they can win at either mm. Bath or Harlequins. Um, Why not both? Well, <laughs> this is the thing, and this sounds like, I suppose, getting ahead of ourselves, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, these are the teams that finished fifth and sixth in the Premiership. You know, they've not been drawn against teams that are coming in on flying domestic form. It's very The reason that it's very hard to judge is, one, I expect Harlequins to be better next year because it's the second year of their new coach and there's some young players that are coming through. Now, they have also got players that um, are an experienced core of players that they rely upon still, you know, the likes of Rob Shaw, Marler, Danny Kerr, even Jimmy Roberts. You know, really established guys, but they've got exciting young players coming through. Mm-hmm. Bath are going to be an entirely unknown quantity next year, especially if Ulster play them early yeah. in that November yeah. November slot, because new coach coming in, unexpected things in flux. And that's potentially like is it like a week or two weeks after it's the World two Cup? Two weeks after the World mm-hmm. Cup final. Yeah, so like the first fingers I, crossed, that's an issue. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose if Ulster, you know, if Ulster are looking at it, they're not going to expect those Irish boys back until then, basically, mm-hmm. because even if they get out put out in the quarterfinals, yeah, it's going to take them two days to get back. Then you're going to need a break. Yeah, you know. Um, 
Bath, Bath, I find, are strikingly like Ulster were twelve months ago. Mm-hmm. You know, new coach. You're not how you're not sure how the season will go. There are the building blocks there, but you almost think this is just an establish yourself year and then build on it. And I think Bath are in a very similar place where you've got Stuart Hooper taking over as coach. You don't know what his style is going to be like. You don't know how he's going to take them forward, but. You look at some of the players they've got, like the back row is they like phenomenal. they they've got players like Sam yeah. Underhill is arguably the best open side in the Northern Hemisphere. And if he's not, then Francois Lowe, who will play alongside him, is probably close. <laughs> yeah, and then add in Falatai to the back Falatai row in there in their back row, and then their outside backs are frightening. I know it's. It speaks a lot that Rory McConaughey, who came in a complete unknown quantity last year, is now being talked about as a World Cup bolter for England. Like, mm. that's the amount of impact he's had. You throw in Anthony Watson, Joe Cockinasiga, you've got Semeza Rockandanguni uh, to come on off the bench as well. Jonathan, I was going to say, I, I, was, I was like talking I, about their outside backs purely so Adam would have to pronounce yeah. them all. <laughs> but then you've got Jonathan Joseph in the centre as well. You've got the option between Freddie Burns and Reese Priestland at. Uh, at fly half there's so much talent in that Bath team that if they can get the right person at the helm which they hope they have done in Stuart mm-hmm. Hooper then you know there's so much potential in that Bath team so where Ulster can beat they, them now you're starting to sound like you reckon an upset okay, could, look, could easily like, happen to the whole Todd Blackadder thing was weird for looking at it from afar it seemed strange it seemed dysfunctional mm-hmm. An awful lot of the things coming out of Bath, even down to um, the banning of the flags, everything that was going on with them just seemed a bit strange. Like mm-hmm. Adam says, not unlike Ulster the year before. But they had, but all these English teams that are qualified, like Harlequins, are the same. You rhyme off a few, few names of Harlequins, and you think, Jeepers, that's a really good team. But it was the same when they came to Belfast two years ago and shipped 50 points. You know, mm-hmm. names aren't what English mm-hmm. rugby is lacking. You're not going to play an English team in the Champions Cup that doesn't have an almost staggering list of names. Like, the the team that has the lowest profile squad in England, arguably, is the Exeter Chiefs, mm-hmm. who've won the league and then ended up finishing second because they lost the final, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's always going to be high profile against the English teams. I'm excited because Bath was probably the last... Sorry, Bath would have been number one on my list of grounds that I wanted to go to that I haven't been to yet. Mm. So, I mean... I mean we got to go to it a year before it's renovated as well. Exactly. So you get exactly. to see it and it's... Yeah. You know, and it's a great city too. Apparently so. Mm-hmm. I've never been. Oh, but, um, Fans will love it. I've been, I've been to the Roman Bath once, go for, but... Go for a weekend. Don't just go over and back. Take this in the south of the city. And if you haven't been in Claremont, obviously that's the best trip that you can go on yeah. in European rugby, I would think. I might go. You're talking about it. You should go. <laughs> Will I? Yeah. Well, we go on a little we'll trip. Go, it's like a podcast. Ulster Rugby Roundup on tour. Oh, it's in November. I'm on holidays. Anyhow, nobody cares about that. I um, just remember there's a massive cathedral in Claremont that nobody was it Claremont. Talks about. We, was it Claremont? We were in at Christmas time, and there was the big like market. Yeah, and there's that a market. Claremont. For some, I can only remember the game. For some reason, I can't remember like anything else about the weekend. I can't even remember how we got there. That plane. 
I'm aware that we took the train, <laughs> but I can't remember whether we like went somewhere else and got a train or what we did. Anyway, so all in all, great draw because also should go through and some nice trips to go on. If I could add the caveat, oh, the World Cup is going to be a big one. Yeah. So four years ago, no Irish team made the knockouts. That was the first time that had happened since the third year of the Heineken Cup. Now, I suppose the alert among you will point out that there were World Cups in that span as well, mm. that the Irish teams clearly did fine in the years after that. Yeah. But the World Cup is such an attritional beast. European rugby is such an attritional beast now, far more than it was in, say, 2011-2007, that I think it, it is a concern of how Irish teams shape up because it's it's a sheer numbers game, you know. Mm-hmm. Basically, there's twelve English teams, there's fourteen French teams, and there's four Irish teams. So yeah. squads are, you know, the Ulster contribution to an Ireland World Cup campaign will take up so much more of a percentage of mm-hmm. their players who are then going to be physically jaded essentially for the rest of the year. So that has a big impact. Um, you look even at the England squad that came out yesterday, you know. Chris Robshaw wasn't in that. Danny Kerr wasn't in that. Now you can counteract that by saying Joe Marler, for some reason, having retired, is back in it or whatever. Um, Claremont are probably one of the better French teams that draw because I think they have seven in mm-hmm. the French squad with mm-hmm. another one among the injury replacements. Yep. So they might actually be just as hard hit as Ulster. But 2015 2016, where interestingly Connett won the Pro 14. Really, only I suppose contributing what Robbie Henshaw, Nathan White, Kieran Marmion. Kieran Marmion. Did Kieran Marmion go to the World Cup in 2015? Awkward, fairly awkward silence. Well, keep talking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, well, sorry, <laughs> Ian Madigan I, was notionally the third choice. Oh, that's then. right. Yes. Sorry, no, he, then he wouldn't have. So it would have been Owen Redden. Would have been the backup. Yeah, I think. You do have to bear in mind though that Ulster are only going to contribute. Four players well, to, the the, Ar- yeah. to the Ireland World Cup the squad. They, they um, might actually be less hard hit, bizarrely, than Claremont are. Yeah, and one of those isn't even coming back. You know, it's, it's Rory Best who's going to retire after the World Cup. So yeah, they, yeah. they've only got three players who are going to be away during the World Cup being in that situation. Have you, you, know, have you dropped John Kinney? I... I I, I don't say it's alright if you have. No, I was no, no, just I asking I, for clarification. No, I still don't. I, I just feel like all of Ulster's five aren't going to go. I feel like one is going to miss out, and I still cannot work out who. It's one of Cooney or Jordy Murphy, but I can't work out who it's going to be. I think Jordy Murphy will go. You know, you look at losing Dan Levy and losing Sean O'Brien. Mm. But then Joe Schmidt does love Reese Ruddock. You guys have already talked about this in the podcast, so we, we shouldn't have. really go over this again. Yeah, but I'm, a, I'm just, I'm, ju- I'm just thinking about this from I didn't even you know, need to be here. <laughs> from from your perspective of the Irish provinces are going to be harder hit than other teams. You know, Bath are probably going to lose three or four to the World Cup. Harlequins are going to lose three or four to the World Cup. Claremont are going to lose about seven to the World Cup. Ulster are going to lose, we reckon, three or four. So. Ulster are going to be no more hard hit than the no, other I'm teams saying, they're I'm playing saying in it's their a definite thing. I'm saying it's a very, it's a June piece, you know. You haven't got much else to talk about, <laughs> so you're like, you know what, this might be a thing. I'm going to throw it out there, see what happens. Did very well online, people. Did it? Yeah, yeah people yeah, enjoyed it. See? I think the bigger thing to manage... <laughs> you don't have to believe your premise, you just have to have a premise. <laughs> 
So in 2015, uh, Schmidt called up an extra centre in Darren Cave, and that meant that Isaac Boss and Kieran Marmion both missed out. So Boss, Boss, I think, did end up going, but then no, got called out, didn't appear, and then Ireland lost, so they went back. Ah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, you can read more about how the World Cup will detrimentally affect Ulster's European chances on Johnny's comment piece online. Um, Pro 14 conferences, then. The uh. Bit of a curveball. Because <laughs> Hard we, pass on this. We, we had said last time, hadn't we? We had sort of been working out what we thought they were going to be, and we're like, yeah. that's a great conference. Ulster, Ulster could finish at the top of that. Nope. No, not anymore. Um, Leinster, Glasgow. Ulster, Ospreys, Dragons, Zebra, Cheetahs. So basically, there's a bit of a trade-off. David Jackson asks for our thoughts on the conference shuffle. He says that we pointed out that we're more... I think this was you on Twitter, didn't you? pointed out that we're more likely to get third now. Mm. But a home quarter-final and even a semi-final, he says, seem incredibly important. Um, so there's that trade-off where Ulster should finish third, but... They're not going to finish first or second. Remember that episode of The Simpsons with the Olympics? And it's like, shameful, shameful bronze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because this was a funny thing after the Glasgow game where I think it was Dan McFarland spoke about how it was either Dan McFarland or Lou Lydic because they were the two people that did the post match said about how this was the kind of thing that really brings home how important it is to get a home semi final. Mm. And, and then you get put in this book. <laughs> and you're not getting a home semi-final there. You're absolutely not. The strangest thing about it all is the way they've divided it up. They've done it by points during the regular season. So yeah. Munster ended up the top seeds ahead of yeah. Pro 14 champions like, Leinster. Yeah, I understand. Because Leinster had already won their conference yeah. with weeks to go and then rested everybody. So yeah, I David underst- Jackson makes that point. I understand the premise wacky of how they ended up with these yeah. seeds. I find it a bit strange that nobody was like, hang on a minute, this makes no sense. Because it was the first thing that everybody, like everybody on social media, but just everybody in the world that cares about this looked at that and was like, how have the two best teams ended up in the same conference? Yeah, Yeah. like you've got the two finalists and one of the semi-finalists in one conference Mm -hmm. and the other semi-finalists in the other conference. Like it's very heavily... Mm -hmm. To, it's very top heavy in Ulster's conference compared to uh, conference B. The the better way they should have done it was they should have made, you know, Leinster and Glasgow the number one num- number or Ireland one Scotland one, and then you fed it down. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, Munster and Ulster were both losing semi finalists. Will Munster become Ireland two because they got? more points during the regular yes. season. The points should be a tiebreaker. It shouldn't yeah, be it a shouldn't deciding be. factor. It's yeah. like, you know, the NFL draft, for example, if you go 16-0 and and don't win the Super Bowl, the top seed is still the Super Bowl winner. Yeah. It's like, it's not difficult. Mm-hmm. People, yeah. people can get their head around it. Yeah. And then you end up without this situation. And I think if it wasn't for this situation, I don't know if I like it in general because if I was to look at it, I would say you need to create... The Pro 14 has to generate artificial rivalries. And the only Mm -hmm. way to do that is for teams to play each other. Mm -hmm. So, Munster and Glasgow has become a rivalry because Mm -hmm. the two teams just don't seem to like each other. And it's familiarity breeds contempt. So, they've played each other so often that they've just developed a dislike for each other. 
Ulster and Edinburgh, I don't think, dislike each other, but they've had some great battles, mm-hmm. they've had some great games, and it's one of those games that now, when you look at the fixture list, you put a red ring around it because you know it's going to be important. Yeah. And you've lost that because of this reshuffle. So, again, you're almost in that situation where you're back to this where the Irish teams are looking forward to playing the Irish teams and the Welsh teams are looking forward to playing the Welsh teams. So you're back to just having it like the derbies are the biggest, the derbies feel like the biggest games and the other games at the minute, if you're looking at it, just feel a bit, you know, mm. they're filling mm. out the schedule, which is what the Pro 14 has to avoid because at some stage then somebody will be like, well, we do, we want to play less games. I know the Nations Championship's been canned, mm. so that possibility dissipates somewhat, but you lose that. But if you're looking at it from a purely Ulster perspective, while they're far more likely to not have a home semi-final, they're far more likely to definitely be in the Champions Cup because I think we've talked about this before. If not on the podcast, we've talked about it amongst ourselves. The Challenge Cup, whenever Ulster fall into it for a first time, is going to be seen, it's going to be seen as a disaster. Mm-hmm. Like People are going to lose their minds yeah. when Ulster yeah. end up in the Challenge mm-hmm. Cup. But you look at the conference that Ulster were in last year, from that... Scarlets, who are a good team, mm-hmm. ended up in the Challenge Cup. Edinburgh, who are a good team, ended up in the Challenge Cup. And there's not much yeah, to pick between Ulster and yeah, those teams. Absolutely. So like, if the conferences had have stayed the same, within four or five years, a decent Ulster team mm-hmm. would have ended up in the Challenge Cup. 100% would have mm-hmm. happened. Probably within the next two years, if I'm being perfectly honest. Just because, law of averages, it was going to happen. I think if you were to end up in the Challenge Cup from that conference that you're in now, bearing in mind that, you know, he'd probably like to think you would have a home playoff even if you finished fourth. So you'd really be talking about finishing fifth. And I think if you finished fifth in that conference, you'd be asking serious questions. If you finished fourth, you'd be asking serious questions. Yeah. Really. yeah, you should be finishing. I mean, the head and shoulders above Osprey's Dragons. There, there is a sort of unknown quantity in the cheetahs who I still feel have the potential to find that form from their first season again if they get you know the combination of players right and uh, if they manage to sort out their issues over in South Africa. But yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. I think if you're finishing anything beyond third in this conference questions have to be asked and if it's anything lower than fourth serious questions have got to be asked I mean that that could be a June piece of just a premise that nobody really (laughs) believes in but you throw out there like the cheetahs might be good that's like that's a June idea do you want to stick that in the paper tonight yeah um so the, the thing I'm most disappointed about is uh, the cheetahs are now in Ulster's conference instead of the kings Port Elizabeth is much nicer than Bloemfontein If, so basically, if there's any decent odds on Ulster finishing third and only third, take that on. It's a decent bet at this 100%. stage. 100%. I don't know. Maybe Glasgow without Stuart Hogg and they regress somewhat. I don't know. <laughs> Stuart Hogg June, was the only June, thing holding June that Warriors. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. really terrible. Are Glasgow <laughs> going to fall apart? Can, well, can Ulster bridge what was a 30-point gap from hold, their second Are Cheetahs set to overtake Glasgow? We've, we've got enough June pieces already. Save some for July. I've right? got three more days for him on holiday, so you <laughs> can do whatever you want. So, it, oh, to say Ulster finished third, we'll probably do this in more detail come the time, but just for fun. When you say the time, do quickly, you mean next May? <laughs> <laughs> who do you think 
realistic you're going to go through to the knockouts to play if we take the other pool as being Munster, Edinburgh, Connacht, Cardiff, Scotland, Benetton Kings. Who are Ulster facing if we're if we're saying now Ulster finishing third? Well, does you, that mean they're going? You would probably be away to what Scarlets possibly if Scarlets bounce back, which I would expect them to. Scarlets mm-hmm. to me just look like Glasgow or the last year of Townsend in the last year of Wayne Pivak of they've got far too much talent to have the results that they had last year. Last year I think it was an aberration for them. Um, so I think Scarlets bounce back. So I think Munster top it. I think mm-hmm. Scarlets finish second. Anyone could finish third. Yeah. It could be Edinburgh. You gotta go for Benetton. Be you ben- gotta keep the good feeling be Benetton so, story going. You know. And can't could Connor get to third? They could. A- anyone they in the anyone in that conference can finish third apart from Southern Kings. Yeah. Yep. Like yeah, when you look at that in some ways Ulster do you know, at least they're gonna get third. It, re- it, like really, that, it really depends you whether you think that Ulster are better off um having a chance and I emphasize a chance yeah. of a home semi-final compared to being virtually we're, we're full of uh, full of hubris on today's show it's like <laughs> <laughs> guaranteed third probably gonna win five out of six games in Europe maybe it's win far, the whole thing far you know? too optimistic yeah. <laughs> what has what summer done to us that, that's it yeah. La- like. well no because after last summer I was like I don't know they'll maybe finish fifth possibly <laughs> I'm just excited to get a wee uh, semi-final Nando's in Planetly. <laughs> so we're looking forward to it. Sorry, quarter-final. Sorry. So you're, you're um, going to go to the quarter-final and the Claremont no, game? I'm absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably not going to go there. Who's manning like, the digital know. desk? <laughs> you exactly. never know your luck. So, given that Ulster are now in Glasgow's pool, I'm going to play them plenty of times. Sorry, conference. I'm going to play them plenty of times. Is it a bit strange that they're now playing them twice in pre-season, or is that fine? I don't think it's strange necessarily. I mean, the, the, you can Ulster take love nothing more than playing a team in pre-season. That they're going to play yeah. like every, every time they played an English team, then they would uh, draw them. Get in the draw against the, no, it's true actually. Um, no, I don't think it's strange. Like you can never take too much from pre-season. Yeah. If if you start reading too much into the two pre-season games and saying this is going to define how the two games during the regular season go, then yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a bit too far. I'm like, gonna take an alternate take on this one. Oh, okay. Here we go. Is this a, is this another June piece in the making? It could be another June. I'm oh. gonna have a lot to do in the next <laughs> three days. I don't understand why you would play a team that absolutely mauled you in a semi final twice yeah. in preseason and then play them twice. You know, you're gonna play Glasgow four times. It's like you don't treat PTSD with reliving the trauma. Well, I assume. You know. <laughs> I mean, I, if I if I was Ulster, the last team I would want to see again after the way that semi final went would be Glasgow. I mean, clearly, I'm the only person who puts absolutely no stock into who you play in a preseason game. In a preseason game, you should be focusing on yourselves and how your running plays and how your defensive systems are set up. Like, I I don't think the opposition matters in the slightest. I think as long as you're getting what you want to get right in the game you could be playing whoever on the other side of the pitch it, it doesn't matter at all really you're but just trying to be controversial June. but it's just <laughs> it's just like you know more Glasgow again <laughs> really just play them I mean the biggest thing for me is the fact that they couldn't find another opponent to play and had to go for the same opposition twice but they do have that like there's a week between the last pre-season friendly there's a spare week there. Mm. So I don't know whether it's going to be one of these ones where they're like play 
one of the other provinces, like meet them halfway and play them in a field somewhere, or <laughs> what? that game in Navan. I went to that game in Navan. Um, got engaged that weekend. It's not really relevant, to that <laughs> but it's just why it's just why I remember that game in Navan. Um, not there. I hastened there. That would have been, been really weird. Hey, do, you want, do you want to go down and watch Ulster in Navan? Not really. Uh, no, we need to go. I'd be like. Got to interview Les here about the preseason preparations, but after that, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you get Les to hand you the ring or something. <laughs> Ultra romantic. Still make a June piece. I think <laughs> Les Guess was involved in your completely <laughs> lost the track. Of let, let's keep about. going. New Academy intake. Those friendly games. Then I suppose we we could see some of the new Academy players. Perhaps, probably, almost definitely, we'll see Aaron Sexton. I wouldn't see anybody games. because for some reason it's the same. Day is Ireland or at home. Yeah, that's a weird move. Mm. Again, maybe it doesn't yeah, matter. Maybe yeah. I'm reading too much into how these things affect me. As you tend to do. As I tend to do. But like, if Ireland are playing a World Cup warm up and you've got one home friendly, do they have to be like two hours apart? Mm. I mean, it's all about necessity, is it not? Glasgow, oh, Glasgow yeah. can fly in on the Saturday morning, play on the Saturday afternoon, but fly why, back like, on Saturday night. Them. Why not flip them around so that whenever you're playing on the island of Ireland the national team isn't because mm-hmm. like I assume that most pe- most people aren't going to go to like you know Twickenham for or the Millennium Stadium Principality Stadium yeah. for a World Cup warm up you know mm. but maybe Good nobody point. maybe nobody else cares but me which well, would whoever, not surprise me whoever is there is likely to see Aaron Sexton who has been brought into the academy on a full time basis along with Hayden Hyde who we had reported that was it last month was uh, moving to the month. Was it back? Ago, yeah, so well, well, it was the week of the quarterfinal. Yeah, so mm. he his move has been confirmed and he's been joined in the academy by Tom Stewart, Callum Reid, and Connor Rankin. Those are the five new names. So we'll see Aaron Saxon in pre-season probably. Dan Sutter asks, is he just another Andy Maxwell, or does he have a bit more about him than just pace? Well, first of all, Andy Maxwell owns Boozham, so. We don't, we don't know what Aaron Sexton gets up to in Aaron Sexton time. doesn't own Boozham so I'll not have this like disparaging <laughs> <laughs> disparaging comments towards Andy Maxwell first and foremost Johnny um, shooting down Aaron Sexton's hidden plans for a Mexican bar or something <laughs> a lot have tried to replicate Boozham none have succeeded they're all very short lived anyway this has turned into a real June podcast <laughs> it really has um, I'm glad somebody asked this question, right? Because I was off yesterday, um, but like just scrolling through Twitter and stuff in between doing other things. And it was like everyone was properly excited about Aaron Sexton getting an, an academy contract that he was always 100% <laughs> yeah, going to get. Yeah. But it's like the reaction to it, and I understand why, because part of it is because of his record for the A team, part of it's because he's already played in a friendly and that's all unusual you know to have done this before you get to the academy and then part of it is because it's got such viral potential because there's videos of him running really really fast essentially yeah who would have done a piece like that <laughs> several <laughs> <laughs> just Aaron Sexton running for yeah. a train and Gareth there with his phone <laughs> but like I don't think there's ever been more buzz and by association pressure on mm. somebody coming into the system at 18 years old and I, I think I think we've reached the point now where it's a bit much 
it's not my fault. I'm not, I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm saying judging by Twitter and like people who would not necessarily normally be covering the Ulster Academy intake being like, can't wait to see Aaron Saxon next season. Like the yeah. fellow is going to displace Jacob Stockdale on the team <laughs> as an 18 year old. Yeah. Like he is obviously very, very good. Like haven't seen him play. I'd probably say that like, at that level, he was probably like the second most um, accomplished-looking player that I've seen at that level since I've been doing this job. So that's within five years. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's Who's first Stockdale. Uh, assumed just just clarity, you know. But like third may well have been like well third was Michael Lowry. Um Michael Lowry might still be second. I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Big, big dog, but yeah. He's the favourite player of the podcast. He but we're, we're talking third. purely about schools, and obviously Michael, Michael Lowry won three schools cups, so maybe I should maybe have Michael Lowry won. Maybe yeah. Stockdale's getting bumped. Who knows? Yeah. It's a list for another day. It's June. That's June, June story. June that's, a, that's a definite June piece. Yeah, it is. That would do well on It'll that. be a very personal one. <laughs> the, <laughs> the four best schools cup players that I've seen since 2013. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Owens was really good at school. Um, we're really getting on a tangent here <laughs> anyone that's listening in the summer is okay with tangents yeah true. like they if, you, if you're fun. here it's because you're, you're committed you're a true. diehard Ulster rugby chat guy mm. yeah I'm friend of the podcast exactly thank yeah. you, thank <laughs> you <for laughs> your... this is probably going to have like a thousand listeners <laughs> we're going to drop off maybe yeah. not even a thousand maybe not even yeah. yeah I think that's a big target yeah okay okay I don't know I think people enjoy a bit of Ulster rugby chat over the summer. Hopefully. Yeah. So, so basically, he, he knows more about him than Pace, though. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Absolutely. He's got a great. He kicks really well. He's got a good eye for a gap. He distributes really well. He's not like. It's not like he gets the ball and he's like, "I'm going to do a bit of sevens here and just run," <laughs> you know. Mm. Um. I was going to say maybe a bit like Carlin Isles, but maybe that's not fair either. Carlin Isles is. Carl Niles' pace and pace alone. Like, I, th- I think I think that's pretty clear. I was like, maybe that'll be a bit harsh and I threw it over Adam and I was like, I'm going to pure, <laughs> st- pure stick the boot into this guy. I mean, Carl Car- Car- 100% does not listen to this podcast. No. So. Carl Niles was just pace and that's exactly why he never made it with Glasgow because all he had in his arsenal was pace. But that's, that's, that's what we're saying with Sexton. You know, Sexton has more than just the sevens mindset about him. He has, you know, a fifteens ability where he can play he's been playing fullback for Banger Grammar, so he knows more about the defensive side of the game than some other players would have who maybe came up through that sevens aspect of it. I think it's quite interesting that by all accounts Sexton is going to play a bit more sevens this year as well. So I think what that's going to do is it's really going to focus on his tackling. You know, it's, it's going to make sure that he's not beaten, you know, in, in a one-on-one or anything like that. And with the speed he's got, he shouldn't be beaten in one-on-ones for pace. So it's all about perfecting that tackle technique and making sure he's not isolated out on the wing. And then if you add the pace to that, then you've got a real potent weapon who maybe won't be the most defensively solid but whenever you add it to the the offensive capabilities, then he's he's a really really positive person to have in your team. And but I, th- I still think we need to we need to pump the brakes on this. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's, the guy's he's, eighteen. He's he's still a year away from making a real impact on the starting team. Like he's still a year away from like 
He's still a year play, away from being playing, like physically ready. Right, yeah. Playing at Thoman Park in a Christmas interpro. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly, exactly. And it's like you'd almost think that this was like a big signing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I just it, like to poo poo other people's excitement. That's essentially I th- what this I think is. you know Sexton's gone so much. As you've said, Sexton's got so much press and so much coverage over the last few, well, pretty much the last year since he mm-hmm. made his debut in those uh, friendlies last year. You know, you, you're almost doing a disservice to some of the other guys coming into the academy in that, you know, you've got Callum Reid, who's an Ireland under-20s loose head, who's been really positively talked about for so long. Coming back in means that we're only Reese O'Donnell away from my prediction of there's five Ulster players in that team coming through. It took a hit for a while. Turned out there was maybe only going to be two, possibly three, but we're now almost back yeah. on track. By all accounts, Hayden Hyde, who has played Ireland under 18s and under 19s, mm-hmm. apparently he's the real deal as well. He's being looked at for Ireland yeah. under 20s next year. England wanted him. Um, England wanted him. So Called him into a training squad in yeah. February. So it's but big. Throwing his lot in with Ireland, we can assume. Yeah. We fell for this trick before. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tom Stewart, Skills Player of the Year. I mean, I think a lot of people have overlooked the fact that Tom Stewart played on a BRA team that was good but never made any real waves mm-hmm. in the Skills Cup. To beat out, you know, that Methody team, guys from the Wallace team, guys from Campbell, and to be named Skills Player of the Year. He had an incredible year for BRA, mm-hmm. so you know this isn't a place that's just handed out flippantly or anything like that. He's in there very much on merit, and there's a lot to like about him. Yeah, people like people have been talking about him for a very, yeah. very long time. And there's a hundred percent a piece in how do Ulster keep producing hookers? Because <laughs> you know if you take if you take over the last, I know Rory Best has held the starting shirt for the last 10 years but like Ulster have just churned out hookers at a ridiculous pace and here's another one off the off the conveyor belt um, and the last one's Connor Rankin who again was very impressive during the Skills Cup so add him to that back three mix with Sexton and Ewan Hughes and you know that's a very potent back three coming through as well so there's a lot of promise from these five guys coming into the academy and now it's just looking at how they can sort of build on that in the academy and make the most of it. How do you how do you pronounce Ewan, by the way? Because we were discussing this in the office the other night, and someone said it was actually Ewan. Yeah, I thought Ewan. I've was a, I've always went Ewan, but then whenever I said Ewan Hughes to somebody else, whenever we were trying to find a picture for the under twenties, I was like Ewan Hughes, and then somebody said, "How do you spell that?" I spelled it, and they're like, "Oh, you mean." I own Hughes. I'm, like, I'm not sure that's right. No, I don't think that's right. I think it's Ewan. If you're listening, I, Ewan, Iwan. Get in touch. Or if I've anyone, been, if if anyone knows. I've been calling him Iwan. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not to his face. Actually, I, I, I might have once. <laughs> no, I, I was pretty sure it was Ewan until somebody else. I've got a YouTube video oh. that explains. Oh. I've got my headphones in, so you're not going to... Oh, no, so. we're not going to be... We're not, Oh, did you hear that? Yvonne. I did, yeah. Yvonne. Oh, good grief. We've got another this pronunciation. Yvonne. Yvonne. No, at least it looks like this is <laughs> every possible way to pronounce this. This, is, this is like this one, is one of them, uh, yeah, Yvonne. This is one of them Google Translate jobs where it's like, <laughs> you know when you're, when this you're on there. Better. This has a real man in it. This is from Game of Thrones. 
My name is Iwan and I play Ryan. Iwan. Iwan. Um, okay, fair enough. Ah, that's the guy that apparently looks like me. Plays what do you call him in uh, Game of Thrones? Oh, Ramsey. Ramsey, yeah. Ramsey apparently he looks like me. I don't know. So I've been told. So I've been told. So it, what did that's he say? True. Remember Actually, that? He does look like you. Video we creepy smile. Looks like I'm going to murder you. Uh, <laughs> Stop My listening to your. Stop listening to your. Iwan. 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 There okay. you go. Okay. Iwan Hughes. Fair enough. He should know his name, so fair play. Yeah. Is this all making the podcast, by the way? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think people want to know how they pronounce his name. What if he becomes a big Ulster star and then his name is pronounced wrong by everybody? Because I believe you mean when he becomes a big Ulster star. Well, we have an under 20 segment coming up, so let's look at it right for that. (laughs) That's true. So. Weird that there's no Methody players in there. Yeah. Yeah. Very weird. I mean. Which, Which one was most hard done by? I would say maybe McElroy. He was one yeah. that I thought yeah, was good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what it came down to, but whenever you're looking at Rankin getting a spot and McElroy not... Well, Rankin was very good as well now for he was, in the two years that I was. saw him. Like, he was the best player on a good Campbell team, but it just... If like if your method and you win the Schools Cup as convincingly as they did, mm-hmm. you know... Mm. Thomas Armstrong, I thought, was very impressive. Kevin McNabeau in the back row, I yeah. thought, was very good. I think that there are a few mm. guys who I think are probably a little hard done by yeah. just by guys already being in. You know, yeah. Ulster already have five guys in that back row in the academy. You know, you you get to a point where you can't really go, well, we, we need another one. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you've got five guys yeah. in. Let's, yeah. let's back these guys and see yeah. what they can do. It's interesting to see what McElroy does, man. Well... The other thing, this is all assumptions as well, because, mm. you know, the guy maybe just wants to go to uni in Scotland or something. Yeah, like, you know? yeah. So, Peter Nelson, we should mention, before we go any further, the is off to Canada, playing for Canada, could be going to the World Cup, which I think I can speak for all of Ulster fans, that bloody brilliant. I'm unexpected. I mean, we should have known when he walked around Ravenhill singing O Canada all the time. I mean, the, <laughs> si- the signs were there. Putting maple syrup on absolutely everything. He had a maple leaf in the back of his car. Yeah, it all, it all makes sense now. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's fair to say that came out of the blue somewhat. <laughs> that Canadian grandmother. Uh, but yeah, fair play to him and good luck. Um, hopefully. I think he's going to get into the World Cup squad. I think he's got it. Neither of your experts on what options Canada have there. Well, you know what the funny thing is? Oh, they've got DCH oh. Van der Merwe. They've got Taylor Paris. And they've got hey. some other players too. Mm, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's actually funny because I put it out on Twitter and all these Canadian people started replying to it. And I've been in like this massive long Twitter chain <laughs> of people talking about Can- or Canada's options for the World Cup. And without, without having contributed anything, I feel like I know the Canadian squad a lot better than the Irish <laughs> squad. The Canadian rugby scene, you know, it's probably small, but if you're into it, you're yeah, properly it's into quite it. Quite niche. Yeah. yeah. But like these, these guys were having full on debates, like about who should be in, who shouldn't, and why was this guy in, why wasn't it? I, w- I was having a great time just reading it all. It's very yeah, interesting. If, they, if, if there's all... not already a Canada rugby podcast, you could now take that on. With I said, I there think I is could. definitely a North American rugby podcast. Yeah. yeah, and then I think there's an MLR one as well, which obviously Toronto mm-hmm. came into this year, yeah. did very well in their first season, and a good chunk of that Canada squad is coming either from Toronto, they've got a few Seawolves players in there as well, yeah. um, a player from Nottingham, and then a player in Pete Nelson who's listed as unattached. 
fantastic. Yeah. But uh, just just to provide a bit of context from what the guys were saying, it does sound like he's going to get starts at fullback during the uh, Pacific Nations Cup. So mm-hmm. I think he's going to get a very good shot yeah. at making the World Cup squad. And certainly based on what they were saying, he's got a great chance of being their starting fullback for the World Cup. That's so, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. So Ireland under-20s, uh, well, that try by Stuart Moore. Unbelievable. Sensational. Um, if, Speaking of overhyping young players, <laughs> let's get straight into it right now. Stuart Moore has been... It's been very good during the under twenties, and I I know it it hasn't quite gone how Ireland would have wanted. I know they they would have liked to have been in the semi finals, but I think Ireland have been mysteriously good for how things have turned out for them. I was like every time I've watched them. Sorry for jumping on you. Yeah, every time I've watched them, we're like these boys. You know, this is a good team, Mm -hmm. and that's without a good number of the players who were so key to the Six Nations Grand Slam. And but with literally about 13 injuries thrown yeah. on top of it as Anytime well. Anytime anyone plays well and it, you get the email the next day, yeah, they're out for the tournament. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, it, it, Stuart I, Moore included. Not, not, to, not to sort of get too deep into this, but I think the fact that, you know, the squads are so small for a tournament where the guys are at a development stage of their careers where they are a little bit more likely to... Ship injuries. I don't, you know, I, the games are too close together. Exactly. It's what it is? It's about four days. You know, you were playing yeah. three games in nine days. Yeah. it's ridiculous. That's absolutely not sustainable. You you wouldn't ask that of uh, professionals. You yeah. wouldn't ask Ulster to play three games in nine days yeah. like that. So why why is it any different for the under twenties? Um, but I mean, Ireland. I think for everything they've gone through, as Johnny has said, you know they're. They're down so many guys from that Grand Slam bid. They've lost so many guys while they've been out there, let alone beforehand. Uh, for, like for, two players a game. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a, it's genuinely ridiculous. Like the fact that they are, you know, playing for I, th- I think it's it's seventh place seventh, against yeah. yeah against New Zealand. Like I d- I don't think they can come away saying this has been a terrible tournament or anything. If if you yeah. say, if Ireland say Ireland lose. Uh, against New Zealand and they finish eighth. You would, on paper, you would say that's a terrible tournament. You know, Ireland should be thinking of being better than eighth. I don't think Ireland can walk away mm. with any, you know, any shame from finishing eighth. They've just come up against. First of all, Australia have an otherworldly crop of under twenties players. Like they Shall are. Shall we talk about Fraser McRae at some stage? Oh my word, he has he been the standout player of the tournament by that country boy mile. Is unreal. If he if he's not playing for the Wallabies within two years at the most, I will be amazed. Like he's been sensational. You're probably talking about like three years ago. David Pocock was the best player in the world, mm-hmm. and he's had his injury troubles since. And you know his days are numbered as a frontline test player by all accounts. You know he is moving to Japan, isn't he? Yes. Um, and then Australia's just find like another one. <laughs> to follow in line, he's, he's just there. But it, it's it's uncanny how similar they are. Yeah, like he is literally David Pocock two point like, oh. Even the way that they the way the way that he stands w- with his feet mm-hmm. when he gets over the ball is that is wide almost, stance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it's almost exactly the same. Trenching himself behind the ruck, and then he's just once he's on it, you just can't get him off it. Like it's, I don't know who which Super Rugby franchise he's attached to, but. 
Like, if they're not looking at that and thinking this boy can make a difference for us next mm. year, then they're crazy because he is, he has just been head and shoulders above everybody yeah. else. Their fullbacks class as well. His name escapes me. Isaac something. Oh, uh, Isaac. Not Rod. Rodda immediately jumps to mind, but he's the second row. Um, he doesn't play for all, so it doesn't matter. So, to take uh, an online. Isaac headline. Lucas. Isaac Lucas, that's it. To take an online sort of headline into this, what did we learn about the Ulster players that were in that Ireland squad? I think they all came away with people probably thinking that they're better players than when they mm-hmm. started. But it's just been such a strange tournament because, like, I look at somebody like, not an Ulster player, but um, John Hodnett. Like, it seems so long ago since he actually played in this tournament. Yeah. But he made such a big impact at the start. Stuart Moore is the same. Stuart mm-hmm. Moore was among Ireland's three or four best players from the opening two games, which yeah. feels like a lifetime ago mm-hmm. now. Um, but Schumer had a good tournament. Again, if you're paying real close attention, I think that's what we've expected out of him because any time we've seen him, he's looked like the real deal. Um, I think David McCann's been really impressive. Yeah, I was going to say, room. maybe McCann is the one mm-hmm. that was the biggest, not surprise is the wrong word, but I think he maybe... The pleasant surprise. Yeah. In that you, were, you weren't expecting him to do anything big, and he's come in and he's put in some really good performances that have made you sit up and go, this guy's actually got something. To the point where he might now be, I think it's fair to say, you might see him as next in line. You know, if there are back row injuries, maybe he's the guy that gets the first mm-hmm. crack next season. Yeah. Um, Leapfrog, well, sorry, Marcus Ray probably still, but... Um, oh, well, he's out of the academy. So right? he's... Maybe, maybe, you know, he's leapfrogged ahead of, say, the likes of Jordan Levy, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, on to the listener questions, then. Time's taken on. Donald's question, which I like this week, is one of his personal favourite questions to the pod uh, ever was regarding culture, style and identity. I do remember that. It was sort of maybe over a year ago. That's taken a bit far for a June piece. The, yeah. The five best Ulster rugby roundup questions. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit far. We had said at the time that it was hard to sort of pinpoint a culture or a style or an identity on Ulster. So in the past season, have you seen an emerging style under Dan McFarland? Fight for every inch. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you ever say something so many times that it starts to lose meaning? Yes. <laughs> Just anywhere at all. <laughs> but it, it is the thing that Dan McFarlane has said so often. Um, I, th- I think Ulster have adopted that and almost taken it a bit further. Like there, there is so much more fight in this Ulster team than there was a year previous. And I think that is probably a culture that Dan has brought in. I haven't really thought about this question for a while in terms of what what the culture is. I don't think it's just fight for every inch, but I think there's there's more just of of a team ethos there. I just think there's there's more than just, you know, you have your standout guys and everybody else fills in. I think over the past 12 months you've seen a lot more guys come in and feel like they're part of a team rather than they're just supplementing the guys at the top. Um, I wonder why that is. I wonder why. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> not, not got any theories. No, neither do I. But I, I think that's 
that's probably one of the main reasons why you've seen Ulster moving in a more positive direction. I think that's that's a culture that they've really had to install, and I think it's a it's something that they have installed. And in that guys are coming in, especially the academy guys. The academy guys aren't coming in. They're thinking, well, this is this is my one cap and I better make the most of it. They're coming in thinking, well, if I impress in this one cap, I'm going to get another, and then I'm going to get another. And that's led to, you know, guys like Robert Balakoon, Mike Lowry, Eric O'Sullivan. They're entrenching themselves in the team instead of just coming in and then falling by the wayside and not impressing again. So I think there, there's more of a, of a collective now in Ulster and it's that collective ethos that's really driving the culture on. I think probably too often in the past it felt like standards were driven from the top down which is fine in most sports Mm -hmm. but then like so often in like team sports you find that the hardest working players are always or more often than not the best players which is fine in most sports but if your international players are absent for half the year. Yeah. That's where you get a problem. But now you could make the argument that Ulster standards are driven from the top and the bottom because there's so many young players coming mm-hmm. through that we've seen Dan McFarlane. Basically, if if a young player impresses, as Adam says, the veteran player won't get his place back in the team. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not a case of you're going to play one game, play well, and then... The bigger name, bigger salary guy gets his place back whenever he's ready to play again. So I think that probably drives the idea of there being more fight because there's more fight for places. Mm. It feels, looking at it from the outside, I know that maybe a few players that left maybe didn't say that, but it feels like selection's more of a meritocracy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I... I suppose I joked earlier about the fight for every inch thing. I don't care if they say it all the time, if it looks like it's actually in place. If it works for them, then that's fine. I don't care if it's like cliched as much as I joke about it. As much as I joke about not being able to write about it anymore. Like if it works as a mantra mm-hmm. rather than a cliche, yeah. then that's fine. Mm. And, you know, we had the stats earlier. I don't have them to hand now, but of the amount of points that Ulster came back to win. But I'm still not sure if I define that as culture. Do you know what I mean? It's it's so hard to define. Like you saw, like, like Steve, like, you know, you saw Larkham come into Monster and be like, you know, a big part of why I'm here is the Monster culture and the Monster identity. You know, like it still feels like Monster are probably a team that has like this sort of unique thing about them mm. and this unique standing um, in club rugby. Whereas you know. You can always sort of say what a monster team means. You can always say what a Leicester Tiger team means. Mm. You can always say what you expect from them. To get back to you know what Donald was talking about, I'm not sure if you would mm-hmm. say that about you always know what you're going to get from an Ulster team in terms of style. But maybe that's because it, it just hasn't been long enough. Do you know what I mean? It's only been one season. Yeah. Maybe that is the start of a culture. I, like, I actually really like the style that Ulster played with. I think mm, yeah. a huge part of it is, I suppose, Dan McFarlane's ideas and the work done by Dan Super. Yeah. Um, so their style of play is greatly improved but I think I said this at the time you know about culture and you know um, England in 2015 mm-hmm. you know um, they did better in 2011 when their culture was 
disgraceful air quotes again in a podcast I don't know why I keep doing <laughs> but like who's the best team in the Pro 14 Ulster <laughs> who's the best team in the Pro 14 Adam Leinster and has the things emanating out of Leinster in the last month made you think that's a team with a solid signed culture <laughs> we'll not go into any of that. <laughs> no, but not. you know you know what I'm saying we can, yeah. o- we can overblow these things true one final question then from UL Stir, which is just Ulster with space, isn't it? Since the Champions Cup quarterfinal, Jacob has not touched down for a try. How much did the no try decision impact his confidence? Well, you've got a first factor, and he's played three games since. Yeah. And for a, for a winger to not score in three games is, you know, it's it's not terrible like for anybody to not score in three games disgraceful for Jacob (laughs) I don't think he's right I mean he he was at one point going on a ridiculous streak of tries so yeah actually it probably is the most disgraceful thing ever it's probably the longest he's went Um, (laughs) on on a genuine note it probably is sorry longest he has gone alright you said longest he has went it's just a programmer <laughs> Jesus! Oh dear! <laughs> we have, so harsh. We've been in this room for too long. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, uh, on a on a serious note, I think it probably did impact his confidence a little bit. No, I, I, I don't. I don't think it impacted his confidence to the extent that he's then incapable of scoring. Like, I, I think that's a ridiculous notion to think that yeah. he's uh, suddenly become allergic to the try line or something like that. Like, he played really but, well against Edinburgh. Yeah, he, he just didn't and get in the score helps, sheet. Helps create a few tries, but he was doing it from fullbacks. He was creating tries for other yeah. people. Against Glasgow, like, literally... Nobody, I think nobody only, was <laughs> looking like they were going to score yeah. until the last... I think the only time he got minutes. near the ball was for various kick chases where he sort of got barged out of the way yeah. of the line anyway um, yeah. like it's, so it's, it's, I think it's uh, we're, we're too, too small a sample size and yeah. um, also the sample size is split over like two months Yeah, and you've also got to bear in mind that try, try scoring isn't the be all and end all for players like as Johnny said he was he played well against Edinburgh he set up tries for other people against Edinburgh you know does that mean he's scared of the try line I actually yeah. like lists so I think Try scoring is the be all and end all. <laughs> I've really enjoyed following Jacob Stockdale's rise up the Ireland. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the next time he plays will be for Ireland, and he always scores for Ireland. So yeah, but the, like see, he'll score a hat trick in his next game, and this entire argument will be blown out of the water. But then we'll finally get to see whether he's going to put it down with two hands like he said he was. That's true. Whether that's he, we haven't even tested that. The uh, the lesson will have faded in his memory. He's going to go for the ash splash. I just yeah, know it. Just a full on <laughs> ball out here. <laughs> Superman dies through there. That's pretty much us then, as uh, you alluded to, Johnny, we've been in this room for uh, an eternity, so it's it's time to leave, it's time to wrap up the podcast for June, but we will be back with one episode in July, yeah we will, we'll be back with an episode in July at some stage. Are we 100%, well. we might are we 100% ever going stuff. to be in the same building yeah, at the same not. time in July? We might, be, we might be back in July, if not we'll definitely be back at the start of August and that'll be us every week from the start of August with basically uh, right through World until um, July yeah. yeah so yeah like we'll do 11 months straight so people can like forgive us this yeah week. so uh, yeah from August I, mean, I don't, think, start I don't think people are going to forgive us for doing 11 months <laughs> straight no. podcast no I mean like if if it happens that we don't get one in July because I'm back the week of the Open although you don't need me you can just get Donald in 
<laughs> You've taken this bar. I haven't taken a bar. It's just he was so polished and so professional. I was like, what am it's I bringing good. to this party? You on? can never be sick again. Well, or you can be Donald Stanton for so I bet yeah, you Donald's grammar doesn't get correct. Just let me wrap. No, it was No, it was perfect. Didn't need correct. <laughs> That's basic. So yeah, at he signed me off a lot. I was rather. Yeah, offended. we talk about August. We'll be back with a special World Cup podcast uh, every week, building up to looking back at Ireland's games, but all with an Ulster slant. So it'll be very good. And please do join in. Uh, join us for that. Any other business? We do any other business? Don't have any. I have got one. Oh, you have gone? Yeah. I'll go for it then. Claire McGoggin, friend of the podcast, oh, yeah. uh, has undergone surgery for an ankle injury, I think. I don't know what the injury was. She just posted up a picture of her after her surgery on Twitter. So on behalf of the podcast, we can wish her uh, a speedy recovery. Indeed. Yep, 100%. And that's us. Matt, from Jump Thank you very much. Adam Gandhi. Cheers, guys. And me, Gareth Hanna. Thanks for listening.